This is Dr. Muweppo and Barry Muweppo with Think Big Educational Services. And we are excited to be back in the new year. We are excited because of the different things that we are that we want to bring to the table today to discuss. And one of it, one of the issues that we're seeing right now in education that we want to bring to light that everyone is talking about is the pandemic-related learning loss for students, especially in K-12 education. And I saw this article uh, recently, which talks about from um, the McKinsey and Company. And it states that our analysis shows that the impact of pandemic on the K-12 student learning was significant, leaving students on an average five months behind in mathematics and four months behind in reading by the end of the school year. So this lets us know that the pandemic just exasperated the learning loss that students were already facing and to find solutions to this achievement gap that's happening between our black, especially with, between our black and brown students that are very underrepresented in education. Yeah, one of the other things we also like to address is the emotional impact. I think for a lot of parents and those who are guardians, a lot of issues come in on the psychological front yeah. and the social um uh Emotional kids who are adjusting to life with a mask, kids who are adjusting to life without a mask, kids who have suffered loss. There are uh, apparently a lot of kids who in the student body, they are orphans. Mm -hmm. They've lost both parents due to the pandemic. Um, a lot of folks haven't adjusted to getting seen without their mask on. And so there's the old issues of bullying, the old issues of kids having to readjust to being around their peers. And then there are the new issues of people who have to accept the new reality of not only having to catch up, but also how to adjust. And plus there's always that looming specter of what happens if it comes back and we go back to being shut down and we go back to quarantines. So there's always that aspect as well and the psychological impact and the sociological impact of that. That's something we want to address as well and also offer solutions. Yeah, because the, the reading and math levels are so low and it just goes to show how it affects students uh, when it comes time to applying for college applications or just seeking higher education or even gaining the skills that they need for their careers. Um, recently at the school that I work at, we've been analyzing data and the data is showing us that our students are very low in reading and math skills. So what are some possible solutions that we as educators and uh, collectively parents, guardians, all stakeholders can do to support our students? Because if we don't address this, the, the gap is just getting wider and wider and wider. And it's just going to be detrimental to what is happening to our students in the K-12 environment. And one of the things that we've also experienced is through our business, uh, we've seen that kids are applying for colleges. Colleges are saying, yeah, we don't want to deal with the SAT. And so that has major implications yeah. in terms of testing, how to prepare for AP tests, 
our own son, as he went through the pandemic, um, he had a particular score in the AP test. And the impact financially was he couldn't get certain scholarships, but he ended up getting a scholarship anyway. But understanding, okay, what to focus on, what to concentrate on, um, do we focus on the SAT, which some schools are not taking, mm-hmm. or do we focus on the ACT, which some schools aren't taking, or do we focus on the AP test, which a lot of schools are taking because it can impact the financial decisions on how much money can be awarded to the student, and also being able to know who's offering what money and who are offering some type of financial relief due to the pandemic. And also, um, a lot of parents aren't aware that the sororities and fraternities are also offering money. Other private foundations are offering money. And that's because of they're trying to help bridge that that gap in terms of the um, pandemic-related learning loss. So that's something we can also bring up as well. And that, uh, Larry, by you mentioned like the AP test, you know, when, uh, like you mentioned, our son um, had that issue with the AP. So with AP testing, what parents and, and educators have to realize is that the colleges, they accept one score. You have to have either a four or a five. But to pass the AP test in high school, it's about you getting a three a three or higher. So when he had applied to his school, he could not get the college credit, although he had a three in the, on the AP test, but he wasn't, he couldn't get the college credit for that particular course because he didn't have a four. So it just needs to be really explained that the AP is different when it comes to, there's like this miscommunication between the high schools and the colleges when it comes to that. And it shouldn't just be the end all to be all. That's just extra course that you can take for more rigor, more understanding. But, you know, go do your research and make sure that the colleges that they're applying to accept the score that they need to, to have that college credit. So at this time, we're going to take a quick commercial break and come back with some possible solutions to this pandemic related learning loss in our students. Do you have a business, brand, or even a creative idea? Power Media Network can help you design a strategy to make your brand impactful. Visit www.powermedianetwork.com today to schedule a free consultation. Power Media Network, next level media. So what are some solutions to the learning loss that we see as an educator? I see it on a regular basis. And it's almost to the point to where if we continue to focus just on testing, our kids are going to continue to be experiencing learning loss. We have to shift our minds and not just focus on testing all the time. And so one of the things that I propose or that I want to see as a solution is that, number one, we get our parents and our guardians and mentors involved in what's actually happening in education, because I don't think they really know. I don't really think parents and guardians in, in the community really understand what is happening in the public schools right now when it comes to the learning loss. Because number one, there's so much teacher shortage, teacher shortage all across America, and in, especially in the district that I work with. 
So you have long-term subs or other teachers covering classes. So what kind of learning are these students really getting or the lack? What are they lacking at this time? We're going to do our own teaching. However, one of the things that we need to focus on is the solutions to intervention. Like what interventions can we do within the schools while the students are there with teachers that can either like coaches like myself can pull students out to work with them on the reading skills and math skills that they need. Because at some point of the day, they're not getting what they need because classes are being covered by different people. And parents and guardians need to be made and run. Don't just send your kids to school. Find out, get involved, what's really going on behind the closed doors. And I think a lot of parents don't know because they're in that survival mode because they, you know, dropping the kids off, going to work, doing what they need to do. So kids are at the school those hours. And then what conversations are parents having and gardeners having with the students after school? Are they asking them, hey, what was what, what were you doing today? What did you learn today? Who was in your class today? What teacher? What was your topic? I don't think these these types of conversations are happening in most homes um, today. So because if they were, then the noise level would be raised up higher so that things are brought to the attention to where the education can be resolved in these areas. Uh, one of the things I wanted to also bring up uh, is I think a lot of students are not prepared to to be independent and to know how to advocate for themselves and we need to try and um, focus on getting parents to understand how to empower their student to be their own advocate and that does sometimes take a hands-off approach but you can still be engaged even with a hands-off approach i think for a lot of parents they're so afraid Mm -hmm. of mistakes that they have to understand that as long as you have the right game plan, you can address mistakes and take care of mistakes become before they become an issue. And I think that a lot of students are so used to, with this new culture of where you go to your phone, you push a button and you get what you want, that they're not oh, no, into the grinding, the getting what they need and, and, and finding out what you need and getting it. Or coming up with that overall game plan that says, I'm here in ninth grade, 10th grade, what's graduation going to look like? And then ultimately, what's after graduation? Because college isn't for everyone. And now um, we have situations where you have kids that can get jobs in tech and they don't even have to go to school. Yeah, exactly. So that I think parents need to be more aware of the possibilities and opportunities. And in a church, we call it learning what your natural band is for your child. If that's what their affinity is, that's what they're passionate about, know how to cultivate it and know how to um, use it. Like if all they do is want to skateboard and play video games, that actually is a job. That actually is employment. That actually can be something that can be cultivated. And But parents need to understand what they went through has no reference to what 
their kids can I think accomplish. that is so true because, uh, for example, we have our son Savion is in a program now after school um, at this tech center, and he has an opportunity to do a certification in engineering with companies like Google or Facebook starting next month to where he will gain the skills and knowledge and different things that he needs to where after high school, if he wants to work for those types of companies, he could go straight into that career force and making close to six figures <laughs> right out of high school. Or if he decides to go to college, gaining even more skills and having those paid internships with those types of companies. So we have to understand as parents, there's more than one way. I think we have been programmed so much to go to school, go to college, this your path. But now there's so many options and opportunities. And I think this knowledge is not being clearly related and defined to uh, communicate it to parents and to students that you have a lot of resources out here that can benefit you in so many ways. Yeah, I think that Google's your best friend. There's Twitter, there's social groups that you can find online that can get you what you need for your kids and also for your peace of mind. Because I think the biggest thing we want uh, parents to understand is you can find peace of mind and you can come up with a solution. Uh, like I said, we have clients now that we're working with. They're in um, situations where some of them are dealing with um, environmental issues in terms of there was a natural disaster and they have to deal with that as mm -hmm. they go through this process. And our own personal experience with our son as he mm -hmm. went through this pandemic um, and, and we have another client, actually our first client, who decided, you know what? Um, the university is not for me. We're going to take the JC route. Mm -hmm. um, there's always an option. There's always a way. It's it's not, you, you try to dream big, you try to go hard, you try to do the most, but you can find alternatives that work. Yeah, definitely. Because um, going back to the whole pandemic loss and related back to that, one of the things that, like the article was saying, the whole learning loss with math and reading, I think a lot of times when we have our parent uh, conferences and stuff, we need to sit our parents down to teach them how to analyze the data when their students are being tested so they can understand what reading level, what math levels they are. Just, just because they're in seventh grade or 10th grade or whatever, or 12th grade, doesn't mean that they're on that right level their current level in those skills. So we take the time to sit down with parents and teach them and show them how to analyze the data so they can see the sense of urgency and see where their student is at when it comes to these things and then provide the programs and resources to assist them in helping their student get to where they need to be academically. So what opportunities do come our way that parents need to know. Check out, and like Larry was mentioned, Google. Google is your best friend. Check out some summer programs. Now is the time, since we're in springtime, now is the time to start looking into some summer programs through the colleges, local nonprofits, different other types of organizations that will provide um, these, in, these interventions or enrichment activities for your students that will help them 
get them up to where they need to be and be engaged and make it fun. So there's all types of programs out there, all kinds of organizations that that have these um, summer programs that are free. You know, costs, sometimes we get stuck on costs, but a lot of these programs offer scholarships or they're free or low income to support our students. So there's a lot of things out there that we can suggest to parents or whatever, When especially when it comes to tech careers, technology, visual and performing arts. There's plenty out there that we know of and that our sons are involved in because uh, every summer they are involved in something related to tech or visual arts. And it benefits them in the long run. Yeah, one of the things that I want to talk about, reading an uh, opinion piece that's in the Hetching Report, one of the authors speaks about how American students suffer a greater loss in learning compared to international students, in particular European students, because we had longer lockdowns. Mm. And the losses are significant. They're showing a more than 10%, um, in some cases, a 20% um, loss. One of the things we have an advantage in this country over other countries is that people still have learning pods, and they're still going through learning pods for tutoring, as well as creating social groups, virtual, using Facebook, Twitter, and other uh, means. Plus, we have private education companies like ourselves, as well as Sylvian, Kumon, those agencies are still going on. And what they do is they help kids who aren't just behind in their schoolwork also do the extra work that's needed and necessary in order to enhance their educational development. So in other words, if you're only focused on testing as a parent, you're not giving your child and your student the best opportunity to be able to get into the college of your choice. So we know kids that go to Harvard-Westlake and they're not getting into a school of their choice. But we also know kids that go to Helmut High School and the same schools that the Harvard-Westlake kids can't get into, they're getting into because they have an extracurricular mm-hmm. background. They're doing dance. They're doing music. They're doing other things. And they're able to show that they've caught up in terms of being ready to go in as a freshman. Because what colleges are looking for is they know everybody's a great student. They want to know, what does that student bring to the table? Are you just Because they know that kids who are engaged in extracurricular activities are more focused and more determined, and Mm -hmm. get this, resiliency. And balanced. They want to see balance and resiliency, particularly in terms of emotional IQ, which we mentioned um, earlier. So emotional IQ, basically, the difference between IQ and emotional IQ is cognitive recognition. In other words, that's just a fancy way of saying, how much common sense does your student have? Is your student relying on other people's opinions and ideas, or are they able to be susceptible to changes in their environment? Hmm. So stress has become a key word because of all the more infamous um, situations where you have students, particularly African-American students, who are being harassed on campus, or you have situations where 
kids are losing their minds and they're either drinking too much or they're trying to harm themselves or others. So for legal reasons, let's be real, schools are like saying, hey, we got to make sure that we're not being sued because little Johnny went cuckoo crazy and harmed somebody or harmed himself. So they want to see more emotional awareness and more balance. And kids who are more likely to look for support groups. So they've done a real big job of creating support groups and um, health and mental services because well-being now is the key word we're hearing. We're also seeing that trickle down into the high school level. Um, one of our kids goes to an independent school and they're really big on um, the mental wellness right. of the body. Right, and that's true. And the affinity groups, like you were mentioning, Larry, is so important. So if schools can develop, like you was mentioning about our son, schools, he got an independent private school and they have developed different affinity groups for parents and for the students that you identify with so you can have that support group. And I think most I think that's sometimes what's missing in our schools is that we need more support groups, more mentorship type programs that could come into the schools and support our students, not just with academics, but on that emotional, social level as well. Because well-being is the key word right now, the key buzzword that's around in education, because it's not just about the academics. Because if you're not performing on the level that you're expected to or need to, then it's going to affect you social emotionally. And we see all types of behaviors coming back into in-person learning that it's just, it was just, it's just been wow. It's just been wow because I'm in it every day and I see it, the different types of behaviors that students are getting caught up in. That's a whole nother podcast right there. But we want to just tie it back into what can we do as educators, as parents, as community um, stakeholders in this shared responsibility of helping to close that achievement gap for our students because they're suffering. They're suffering on so many levels academically with their reading and their math. And if it's not being addressed properly, it's just going to continue to spiral downhill. So what can we do? Because our, our students deserve the best. They deserve opportunities and programs and everything. But we notice that certain students get that and then other students don't. And right now, the issue is not funding. The Biden administration and have in other um, entities have poured millions, billions of dollars into education right now because of COVID. And so all these districts were giving money to come back in person. So it's not the funding. It's what is being done with the money to the funding to have the program, what programs are being developed to fund um, so that it can provide students with the opportunities to have programs in tech and visual learning art, visual and performing arts or whatever, to engage them because it has to be culturally relevant. And I'm not just talking about culturally re relevant in the sense of black and white or black and Latinx, but culturally relevant for us age appropriate. What are the students interested in? Find that out. Find that out what they're in. Survey the students. They will tell you what they're interested in. 
and put programs in place that will address that. But I don't think that sometimes people really want to go there. But um, that's a whole another topic. <laughs> so we're just going to focus on the, on the fact that students deserve the best and they deserve to be given opportunities to succeed and to provide them with the skills to help them develop their skills in these areas. Because if not, they're not going to be challenged. They're not going to have these opportunities in college and uh, career building, entrepreneurship. You need reading skills. You need math skills. Whatever you do in life, you need those two major skills to um, advance in whatever careers and things that you need. I think for us, one of the biggest, most successful student advocacy groups is the Posse program. And their adjustment to the whole pandemic was to continue with the approach that they have, which is cohort-oriented, was a supportive group. And there's also mentorship within that cohort. And I think that parents should try and see about setting up mentors separate from Mm -hmm. themselves for their student and students and that uh, allow the to students if there's even it doesn't matter if they're healthy mentally or not to allow them to have that space to be able to speak to one where they can vent no judgment and be able to deal with the so-called psychological demons yeah and the other issues that come across where students are feeling depressed they're feeling anxiety they're feeling stressed and they're feeling trapped. And the, particularly the biggest thing we hear from all of our high school students is the feeling of being overwhelmed, particularly the seniors. They really feel an acute awareness of, I don't have enough time. Because a lot of them are trying to enjoy their senior year. And they understand that this might be the best that they have, which is a a, 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 a false premise, but a lot of the students are like, this is the best I can do. This is what I got. This is my chance to have the most ultimate year because they're young. They don't understand that they have a whole life to live and they get overwhelmed when they're, they're not organized, oriented, and opportunistic. Mm. So getting that Professional help is key so that they don't feel overwhelmed, unorganized, and ultimately they procrastinate because they feel like this is the best I can do. Oh, well. And they settle for less. And there's no need for them to settle for less. A lot of the things that we do in our organization is we try and match students with funding, which is appropriate to the career that they're studying in. So if your student is interested in fashion, they're interested in digital marketing, if they're interested in being a lawyer, interested in being in the medical field, we try to orient them to schools which match their passion and the right fit. Mm-hmm. It's imperative that as kids go through this learning gap, that they are caught up and they know what they need to do to get to the school of their choice, whether it be big school or small school, and understanding what their choice is. And a lot of students do better when their choice 
meets their passing and it fits. Because not everybody can go to a major university. Not everyone is ready to go to a JC. And some kids will break. Yeah, breaks is good. And I, I know recently a young lady, uh, a high school junior, told me that she doesn't even want to uh, focus on college. She wants to go right into vocational vocational um, training into a job. So I know LA County has what's called the digital divide. And so that's, again, referring to like what I mentioned about our son um, being in, at the tech center, the Solar Impact um, Tech Center here in um, the Los Angeles area. The LA County has that program where students in high school can do internships, paid internships with these um, tech companies and where they're gaining their knowledge and the skills that they need in engineering or whatever technical skills that they want. And then come out of high school and you're ready for the workforce or you're ready to start a startup business or whatever and get funding because you have the training in the background now. So things are twisting in education. Things are changing, um, innovating and evolving. But we sometimes people's mindsets is not there. They, they want the change, but they're not ready to be innovative. And like my husband said a couple of weeks ago, evolve. So we have to make sure that as educators and parents that we know of these opportunities, keep our ears open and eyes um, open as to what's really going on and pay attention, pay attention to what's out there and pay attention to what's really happening in education, especially public education right now, and know what of the opportunities that our students and our kids can have to help them in this area of the loss that they had, that they received, gained over the pandemic, during the pandemic. Yeah. So I think for, for, for us, the one thing we want, if there's anything you can get from this, is that everyone is suffering a loss in terms of the pandemic effects. And it's important for parents to understand how to minimize that loss. And in some cases, understanding how to overcome that loss through research, Mm -hmm. cohorts, empowering your child, um, getting them to have that advocacy and understand that it's not as devastating as it feels and appears because it might feel like the loss and the gap is huge, but you can overcome this pandemic effect. We're seeing that some students have been able to overcome and still able to overachieve without having to do superhuman work. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it is possible to still achieve everything that other people were doing even before the pandemic. The success of your student is still achievable, but teamwork is going to make the dream come alive. Yes. And just, if there's anything, we cannot emphasize it more than enough. Don't feel trapped. Don't feel like it's too much. It's overwhelming. Get the help you need. Find the help you need. Thank you for that, um, Larry, because I, you know, we just have a, this is our passion. This is our heart you know, to um, help parents and students to serve, to um, 
provide the resources and knowledge that we're learning and gaining to share and what we're going through with our own kids, you know, so we're not sitting here like we know it all. Trust me. (laughs) We have, we've had our challenges during the pandemic uh, with our kids, but from that, from those challenges, we're able to speak from experience and share some tips with everybody. So if you ever want to reach out to us, on an individual basis to receive some consultation, just call us at 310-486-7343. That's our business cell for Think Big Educational Services. You can also visit our website at www.thinkbigedservices.org. And we welcome all inquiries um, for consultation, and we can definitely speak to you more one-on-one about how to help you and your child, how to help you and your students during this time and provide some resources, some um, recommendations for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And that is the end.